This is Jason Cast. This is Scott Nearman. We are MP Local, where we want you to know that you are not alone. I'll tell you what, Scott, this business is not easy. It has its own unique challenges. This is not about bottom line only. This is not about profit only. We're about mission and changing communities in the nonprofit world. And that is why we started this podcast called MP Local. Hi, this is Jason Cash from NP Local, and I just wanted to give you a heads up on something. During this recording, you're going to hear a little bit of cutting in and out. A combined total of a 20-minute podcast, it probably lasts about a minute. But I just want you to know, as you hear it scattered through, we do apologize due to the overload of COVID. Uh, the internet was not coming through clearly. So we promise to make it better in the future. We hope you enjoy NP Local. Hey, 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 this is Jason Cass. This is Scott Nearman. And we are NP Local, where we want you to know that you are never, ever, ever alone. That's why we're here. Covering That's right. Your back. I got your back. In this crazy world that we're living in, I'm just going to summarize it really quickly, but if this is the first podcast you're listening to, this is episode number three, and we're actually kind of continuing on number two. Head back to episode number one if this is your first so you can figure out that I'm Jason Cass, an insurance agency owner that specializes in nonprofits, and then we have my dude over here. Scott Nearman. I'm a consultant and an executive director every day. That's right. So we come together and said, you know what? There's things missing. There's things that the, 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 in the nonprofit industry is changing. There's a bunch of young people coming in and maybe not even young people, but there's a lot of changing positions at the hierarchy, at the level, getting new board members who may not know how to be board members, what their title is, what their responsibility is, what the executive director is, the challenges that you're facing every day. That's why we created MP Local. And once again, I'm Jason. Cass and he's Scott Nearman. Scott, this is a continuation for all you listeners. This is a continuation of where we were with episode two, which was funding and fundraising. And we got to the very end. And a lot of you listeners who are listening now, you were the reason which sparked this because episode three was going to be for us double bottom line, which is going to be really, really interesting. And I can't wait to get to that. But people, we got a little feedback. I can't say we got a lot, Scott. I mean, we're, we're a new podcast. I think we have like probably six listeners, right? But we did get an email back and they said, would you mind breaking down the fundraising pyramid a little bit more? And so I said, you know, before we get into episode what was supposed to be three, Scott, let's continue on real quick on this. Once again, we try to keep these to 20 minutes or less. Sometimes we go over, sometimes we'll be less, but we just want you to know that you are not alone. Scott, let's continue on with this fundraising pyramid. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to uh, pack all this into 20 minutes. So I think I started the fundraising pyramid conversation. It's real funny. Uh, I worked somewhere a few years back and they got real sick of hearing me talk about the fundraising pyramid. And the reality is if you're not familiar with the fundraising pyramid, you don't know fundraising. And so we want to break that down. Uh, It's not rocket science. I I might say that all the time. My wife says, now stop saying that, you know, this is a skill. This is a trade, right? So it's true. It's true. She's right. Just like our wives usually are. That's right. Better listen to them first. Then you listen to Ben Franklin, if you heard our last episode. But the fundraising pyramid I was describing, let's use, break it down simply to four layers. And so you imagine this big two-dimensional, three-dimensional pyramid and different layers. And, and you can Google this, right? There's all kinds of different images. 
But let's start with the bottom layer. That bottom base of the pyramid is going to be your thickest. You know, it's the foundation for everything you're building on top of it. And so we talk about um, the base of this pyramid being first-time donors. Okay, so from a fundraising perspective, the base for everything you do starts with, and, and let me draw a distinction here, both friend raising and fundraising. Okay, have you heard friend raising before, Jason? Have you, have you done friend raising? You got friends, right? There's fundraising and there is friend raising. You are absolutely right. I've done friend raising, man. <laughs> well, we're both married, so we've raised friends. But let me tell you, <laughs> an organization needs to raise friends, right? If you're if you're fairly new or if you're not doing a good job getting outside of your of your business walls, right? You're in the daily grind and you're behind the desk and behind the PC and heck, right now we're behind Zoom meetings and go-to meetings, right? Because because it's in the COVID era that Right. This. Uh, you need to get out, right? And so oftentimes special events are that friend raiser, and it's also a fundraiser, right? You want some positive net revenue from any event, and you want to grow that. Now, the reality is mm -hmm. anything you're doing in that broad base, for example, special events, a golf tournament, normally you really are going to only expect a two-to-one return. Okay, that means for every dollar spent, you're going you're right. to raise $2. For every $100, you're raising Wow, okay, $2. I did not know that's great. So, so research. Okay. We talked about the fundraising school and how that's a research driven school. Uh, and so this is one of the things that they've taught me, right? That if you get a two to run one return out of an event, you've done okay. All right. So don't let your board tell you okay. that you didn't two to one, you know, net of expenses, you've doubled your money. That's fine. Um, obviously if you could do better than that, uh, heck that's, that's wonderful. That should be, but feel confident, feel confident right. that if you're doing that, you're doing what you're supposed to be that's doing. That's right. So, because the goal is to go up that pyramid and raise more money. And as we move up the pyramid, you're going to net or you're going to yield more money. So the second layer would be repeat donors, regular givers. And, and when you think of the activities that go along with this, think about giving societies. Okay. So these are on paper, um, a certain giving range that you give every year counts as the gold society or the platinum level or the um, mother earth circle or whatever you're going to call it right <laughs> you're, you're uh, right you know environmental organizations may call it something than uh, a religious organization than uh, than an educational institution or a healthcare institution it's all about branding we're going to talk about that in a couple of episodes so uh, that next level you're trying to get the people that gave on the bottom level they came to your event once you're trying to them get them to make that $20, $30 a month, $100 a month, regular, annual, or monthly commitment. Okay, and then they become repeat givers. Well, what does that give you? That gives you a revenue stream that you can count on. Okay, you can budget around right. that. If you solidify some events, okay, not, not one event a month, okay, but you have some idea of uh, how, to, how to budget both of those levels. And then as you get to the next levels, um, these are the surprises, okay? These are things you don't necessarily budget around as much uh, if you're a new organization. Yep. So we're moving, Jason, from the, the broad base of friends and time givers to the regular monthly or annual gifts, 
repeat kind of givers. Yep. Right. And you got to ask them. It's your job to ask them every month or remind them every month or every year. Every, you know, the most giving occurs uh, between Thanksgiving and December 31st. Okay. Makes sense. Some organizations, I mean, we all feel like giving during that time. In fact, as we record this, we're approaching that time frame. So during this time of year, we are uh, feeling like giving, right? It's a very positive uh, time of year and people want to give. So you got to remind them to give, send that letter out. And also there's probably tax incentives on it as well, right? You got to get rid of kind of coincides at a really great time, doesn't it? Absolutely. Really giving and then that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so as we move up, the next level would be major gifts. Okay. And, and let me also say, as we move up the pyramid, uh, you're spending more and more time with these donors. Okay. Maybe the executive director shakes hands with the first time attendee or donor at that special event. But if a major donor further that third layer of the pyramid shows up in an event, you better be finding them and shaking their hand and seeing how they and their loved ones are doing and, and this and that. So maybe even reserve seating. I mean, they, right. they, they spend a lot of money. They want the red carpet. That's right. Right. And well, some do and some don't, but right. uh, you know, you, you need to know that that's our job. So that's a whole nother episode, right? How do we treat the major donor? How do we treat the major donors? Because when I say red carpet, doesn't mean we necessarily rail out the red carpet. It's what's a red carpet to them, That's right? Exactly that right. Mean, it could be secrecy, right? Could be absolute secrecy. Anonymous. So, yeah, I don't want to cut you off. You're in that layer. You're doing well. This is good stuff. So, so major giving. Okay, so you're essentially that's the top portion of the pyramid, and our and our pinnacle of the pyramid is included as a major gift. Uh, but at that pinnacle, we talk about a transformative gift. Oftentimes, that's the largest gift someone. Uh, makes in their lifetime. Often it's through a will or a state plan. Uh, but major gifts is major. We typically, in, in organizations of uh, small and medium size, we consider that $10,000 plus. Someone who has the capability of writing that check, a five or $10,000 check today, is a major donor. And what that means is gotcha. it's in the checking account, it's in the money market fund, it's in the IRA, and they're able to give it and not miss it next week. Okay, which means there's greater potential. Okay, so you're going to maybe in, in most cases, there's going to be greater potential with these individuals. So you're spending a lot more time with them. And what's your ROI at that level? Well, that's probably a four to one compared to a special event. That's a wow. Two to one. Wow. So you may have uh, major donor uh, gatherings uh, that's invitation only. Okay. And so you may spend a little more with that. One of the organizations that uh, uh, that I've worked for, we have a holiday event. And uh, we hired a, a string quintet to come in at our you know, Christmas time event. And we, we bought, we went to Hobby Lobby and we got a bunch of beautiful Christmas decorations for the, for the venue where we were having this. Of course, we bought them on sale because I listened to Dave Ramsey too. But, you know, uh, we really made a nice event. But, but to pay that little extra for the st string quintet, to pay a little extra to have uh, wine and beer, you know, that's still tasteful. Uh, in most organizations, wine and beer. You don't have to do hard stuff, but something right. that, that elevates the level of, of the event. And so that's major gift fundraising. So it costs a little more, but your return is greater because you're moving up that pyramid. Could be four to one, you said. That's right. That's right. Wow. Okay, fantastic. Fantastic. So at the, at the pinnacle of this pyramid um, is something called planned giving or gift planning. And there are a number of sophisticated ways, but it's really not um, something that a new director should feel nervous about. If you have the correct policies in place, you can open your door to plan giving 
what you have to do is to know enough to work with the lawyers and estate planners, uh, encourage your donors to speak with their tax advisors, to uh, learn and to educate them and share information with them about tax advantage ways of giving at a very high level. And so this wow. comes generally in an estate planning process. So if you're professional and you've got your policies in place and you're a legitimate organization, you've, you've incorporated and, and you may or may not have a staff, but you've got a board and you're doing the right things as an organization and making an impact, um, then you have every right to, to put a paragraph on a brochure, uh, to put it on your website that, hey, we are willing to work with you and your advisors on a planned gift when the time comes, right? You know, the, the old joke is, Jason, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, okay? You can't take it with you, right? Whatever you've mm -hmm. gathered in this life uh, doesn't go with you. Now, there may be a, a fraction of our audience that disagrees with that, but, uh, and I did see in social media a hearse with a U-Haul behind it at one point, so it does exist. <laughs> at the end of the day, right, somebody's got, most people have the, 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 the house, the car, and the dog, and they got to figure out what they're going to do with it, right? Right. It's advisable. So, so, so here, let me break this down. This is the way I'm seeing this, because if any of you are listening to this for the first time, you're with me. I, I don't, I have never broke this down. Obviously, I have not went to the school of fundraising, right? I'm also willing to bet that a lot of people who run non-for-profits have never heard this before. And I hope that this is good stuff for you. But, uh, Scott, this is why we created the podcast, brother. Okay, so I see it this way, okay? So I see that we have this big party, this event. Um, some of the, the non-for-profits we do do comedy shows, right? Some of them um, will bring in, do some kind of band or something like that, um, it, it, whatever that could possibly be, whatever the, the your audience or your community likes. And you have this big event. And the point is, is to get those first-time donors but really you're building here and maybe I don't think everybody knows what's going on. No one knows except for you and your team that has a targeted thing to say, we're going to have this meet um, this meeting. Not only are we going to find first time donors, but we're also going to acknowledge our repeat or establish donors. However you want. I'm looking at one of the pyramids and it just says different things, but it's the yeah, same thing. That's right. Um, and then we're going to start, looking for and targeting out our major donors while giving them all information that we could, that we are able to um, in estate planning. And there's different things those people can do. So that's kind of like letting everybody know, but you're kind of, you're kind of finding those people out, right? Isn't it true that like, you know, Susie and Susie says, Hey, Scott, that's Jim across the room. He owns so-and-so, gives a lot of money to this or that. Seeing that person in your brain, and that's why we, in, in a future episode, how to target and how to treat donors, right? Because you're kind of letting me know that they all kind of have their unique thing, right? They all want to be givers. They all care about have a passion or they wouldn't be there. Um, but it's targeting those out and knowing. Because I can imagine also sometimes, Scott, you, you may get stuck and I hate to say this because it's all about giving, but in this structure of what we're talking about, you may invest too much time with the wrong people, mm, right? Absolutely. Those first time givers are important, but some of those first time givers are just going to only give $20 a month for the rest of their life. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe, and it's, and I say this just real quick, um, but I want you to, to keep in mind what's here. This is how we are as a business. 
as a for-profit business, this is how we are. I can't spend a ton of time with the guy who lets us write just uh, the the non-for-profit that just lets us write their 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 property, right? Because because the, it doesn't make sense for us to actually. Because when I have another non-for-profit who has given us a general liability, the autos, the property, and everything in the work comp. Now it's like, well, I can provide more services, not because I like one or more of the other. It's because that's what they've invested. That major donor deserves more attention. Absolutely. The attention they want. Um, so, so am I wrong or right about that? Give me your thoughts on some of this. I know I talked a lot, but well, I, you're saying some great stuff. That's absolutely uh, the nonprofit manager's challenge. Okay. This is something that I'm afraid um, – um, Boards don't always understand what their role can be in this uh, because if you're a small organization, you have got to have a working board. Okay. I don't think there's any nonprofit out there that really gets along with one half of one FTE and can do all these things right. Okay. They may not even do it all with one and a half FTEs. Okay. So the bigger your organization, the bigger your goals, yes. the more donors you have to care for and steward. You know, a whole other concept, Jason. Uh, we hear it in church circles a lot, but stewardship is of utmost importance uh, because you're being entrusted with others' hard-earned money, right? They're expecting a result from that investment that they've made. And so, yes, it's, that's, that's right. a challenge. And so if you're, if you're a small shop, uh, let me just tell you right now, you know, you're not going to get it all every day, right? And you've got to budget right. out your week according to those priorities. And there are going to be times like right now in a pandemic that you just can't get to it all. <clears throat> but put that's, a, that's, that's exactly where we're going with our board conversation and how to engage the board is put them to work. Yes. You know, these folks care the most about your mission or they shouldn't be on your board. And uh, they're willing to help you. This is also where volunteers come in, right? That's right. You structure volunteer opportunities around. Jason, it's kind of interesting that came out a few years ago. It was called the missing middle. And and what I found in my experience is that um, many organizations may do special events really well or they've got the top of the pyramid already in place. Uh, for example, right now I work for an organization that's been around 40 years. And so that's very different than organizations I worked for immediately prior to this that had been around two years on paper only, right? Gotcha. So yeah. very different challenges that these types of entities have, no matter what uh, sector of, of society they're, they're serving, you know, environment or healthcare or education or uh, faith-based. Uh, but this missing middle is those middle two layers. If we're not good at bringing people out of a special event and making them our regular friends and donors, or if we're not good at picking out those who are really invested and they've been regular donors for five years, 10 years straight, and we've mm -hmm. never asked them for a major gift. Um, or if we've got folks in that major gift category that just hit the big, say 70 years old and haven't been talked to about an estate gift, uh, then we're missing opportunity. And so this report was talking about how organizations are often good at the top or the bottom, but they're missing the middle. And what that means is in a few years, they don't have the constituency that they need to be successful. You've got to you've got to have all layers to some degree, and there's going to be just like that physical uh, pyramid. When when you look at it, you can see there's fewer people at the top, mm -hmm. and there's a whole bunch of people at the bottom. And and you you flip it upside down, right? You've got a little sifter, put sand and rocks in it, ah. and, and, and you're going to filter down uh, few in the bottom 
put put the the fewest rocks are going to fit in the bottom and the most are going to fit in the top and you got to find the few that are going to make it through all those levels and um and be the, the the big transformative gifts of the future See, we talk about those similarities between uh, nonprofit and for-profit. In the for-profit, we would call uh, cross-selling, right? Uh, we have the auto and home. Do they realize that we offer the life? Do they realize that we offer uh, the commercial auto with, uh, they realize we're experts in, in uh, workers' comp, right. those different types of things. So that, that, makes, that makes total sense. I mean, it's so great how business models are business models. It's just determining what the product or the service is, is, is the differentiating factor as to how you run it. So that's good stuff. We're right at 20 minutes. You want to wrap it up? Well, I just I want to encourage folks who are out there uh, struggling with fundraising. Um, this is an investment uh, that is worth your time uh, to get the training you need. If you've been in fundraising five years uh, full time or almost full time in management, um, go after that certified fundraising executive. Take a prep course. Take the exam. It is an international exam. So the only thing I can tell you about it is it spells organization with an S and program with an MME on the end because it's an international designation. Uh, but wow, you know, you do, uh, you do want to continue to get better at this craft and, and pay attention to the numbers in your own organization at all those levels. I think as you analyze what we've shared today, uh, figure out where you are, how many people do you have in each layer of the pyramid? What's your return uh, from the investment you're making in direct mail or events versus the higher levels? And uh, that gives you some starting points. And you know, we always like to end it with leaders are readers and readers are leaders. And we know that our readers, our leaders are readers here. So what would be something that you would recommend they would read, Scott? You know, there's another Jerry Panis book, P-A-N-A-S. Uh, if, you, if you don't know Jerry, uh, definitely need to look at his uh, repertoire of reading. Uh, one of those is The Fundraising Habits of Supremely Successful Boards. Uh, this is a short read. Uh, buy it for your board. It's actually kind of hard to find, but it's worth the investment. Uh, this is how your board can help you in fundraising, what their role should be. Which I guarantee you, I mean, I don't know. I'm speaking ignorantly just off the top of my head in the boards I know. I bet you that's probably one of the most underutilized areas of a nonprofit is getting your board. I guarantee you, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, Scott, and we'll wrap, wrap up. I would be willing to bet that when you look at nonprofits who are successfully fundraising, understand the pyramid, the board is a major factor in that. Absolutely. And, and you know, for example, the organization I direct now has just a dynamite board of directors. They themselves are giving. Um, they have a history of supporting their communities. They are the right people on the board. And so uh, you need to think about that. That's a whole other conversation. But the board yep. has the ultimate responsibility for ensuring that the organization has the funds it needs to survive. Well said. If you want, just you can put it in a little editor, clip that spot out and send it to every one of your board members so that they know this is what we do here at MP Local, nonprofit local, because we know that local is your community and your community is local. And that's very, very big to us. Thank you for joining us again. Once again, we ran about two minutes over. I think we need to aim for 18 minutes, Scott, and we'll hit the 20. Thank you. And we hope that you got at least one nugget out of the last 22 minutes. This has been MP Local. I'm Jason Cass. I'm Scott Nierman. We're out. Thank you for your time.